Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back in Atlanta. Um, the great thing about the kingdom is that you can have lots of homes. And uh, I definitely feel at home whenever I'm here with all of you. Uh, we have a very special relationship with Tom and Kelly. Very thankful for the way they love me and my wife, Lena. She says hello. Uh, she, uh, because of uh, some situations um, in the Ukraine, she had to take off last night at 10 o'clock. And she's actually in Istanbul. She just wrote me and said hello to everybody. She wished she could be here. Uh, but she's on her way home. Um, but it is great to be back here. I know I'm supposed to be in the, in the rotation of preaching. I know I missed a few months. I apologize. Um, but I'm back, and hopefully I'll be back in December. So um, I appreciate Tom leaving some slots for me to come and speak. Um, but I do appreciate this group um, is the name of the... Hold on a second. Let me get my slide clicker here. Um, World Changes the name of this lesson. And I do just want to say a special thank you to the North River Church because... Uh, sitting in this room are people who dream of changing the world. And I appreciate all the sacrifice each one of you have made over the years, whether it's financial or your prayers. Um, I know many of you have been out and have served in different places around the world. Um, I just want to express how much I appreciate your hearts and how much you love God and how you persevere and continue to serve and give. So if you could give yourselves a round of applause. Um, I appreciate your hearts. Now, as Tom said, me and my wife, uh, we're actually working with the churches in Eastern Europe. Um, how does this work? Do I just... Turn it on on the, uh, <laughs> on the right side. The, I'm the only one hearing that voice right now. It's in my... <laughs> you guys didn't hear that. Okay. Eastern Europe, 24 churches and 3,009 disciples. Amen. So this is where the churches are. Uh, it's an amazing part of the world, 270 million people, 21 different countries, and 21 different languages. Uh, so very challenging and exciting. And um, we also have some exciting plans coming up in the future. Uh, there's actually six countries with no church at all right now. So this, this morning, Sunday, uh, the, the gospel is not even being preached in some nations and some languages. So we're really uh, praying and dreaming of reviving uh, a lot of these countries out in Eastern Europe. You know, obviously the Ukraine's had a very blessed history. Um, with a church of almost 2,000 in Kiev and eight other churches in the Ukraine. God has just really blessed the Ukrainian churches. Uh, the rest of the countries around the Ukraine haven't had the same history as the Ukraine. So we're really excited, me and my wife, to really be focused on some of these other countries uh, so that they can um, continue to grow and thrive as well. This is uh, all the church leadership in, in the Ukraine. Uh, these are uh, the brothers and sisters there who are serving. Uh, me and my wife just celebrated our 25th anniversary, so... Um, this picture was taken yesterday, just in case you're curious. Um, okay. Uh, this is my family. Uh, that's my son on the left, my beautiful wife next to him. That's the teacher and my daughter, Diana, and that's me. Um, but my daughter just graduated high school and my son just graduated college. So everybody's moving on in life. So love them dearly. Um, this is uh, the School of Mission graduates. We have a School of Mission in Kiev. Um, we have a, a, the top left, Genian Oler, leading a region in Kiev. Max and Britton, who visited here. I don't know if you remember them or got to meet them. Uh, they're leading the campus. Dima Marina, the next picture on the top, they're about to leave to lead the church in Sofia next month. Uh, so be praying for them. Uh, Claudia and Nadia, they're leading the church in Istanbul. And God bless them, 99% Muslim country. Uh, the church has grown 30% in the last three years. And uh, they actually had the sitting prime minister's daughter at church. 
who's come to church with bodyguards and, and everything. So that was a very, very interesting Sunday service. There were more bodyguards in there than Christians, I think. So uh, then there's Jack and Amy. Uh, Amy uh, was in the School of Missions. She's in London right now. And David and Nadia, amazing couple in Kiev training with us. Uh, just a couple other pictures. These are some of the people in our School of Missions, great-hearted Christians who just want to give their lives to the mission field. That's the Kiev church. Uh, they say hello. Um, and let's jump into the lesson, amen? World changers. World-changing forgiveness is the first point. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 10. I'll put the verse up here. Um, let's read together. <clears throat> day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. Have you any, ever had any days like that where you feel like it's day after day, after day, after day? So here there, there's, there's priests who are performing their religious things day after day, sacrifices which can never take away sins. Could you imagine living back then? If you, if you sinned in the Old Testament or something, you know you're supposed to bring a sacrifice. So, I don't know, you got angry at your wife in the morning and think, okay, I sinned. And you grab a chicken and you head to the altar. And on your way there, you get mad at the neighbor and you think, okay, is one chicken enough? Do I need two? Or do I need a cow? Or should I go back and get the goat? You, you would never be completely secure if you'd sacrificed enough. You would always have this doubt, am I okay? Am I covered? But... We, let's read here, but when this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And, and, and you know, in the, in, in the Hebrew culture, if you sit down, it means you've finished your chores, so to speak. You're, you're done. It's complete. It's completely finished. And that's why Martha was so upset with Mary, because Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus. How can you sit down? I'm still cooking. We're not done. We you don't sit down until we're done. Jesus sits down. It's done. There's nothing you do to earn any kind of sacrifice for your sins. Your good day doesn't make you more saved. Your bad day doesn't make you less saved. It's absolutely not connected to your, you add no sacrifice. He sits down. It's done. And we all smile. That's, that's good news. And since that time, he waits for his enemies. Unfortunately, the people who don't want to accept his sacrifice are in this verse considered enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, this is a tough verse to swallow. Amen. You've been made perfect. I don't know what you saw in the mirror this morning. I did not see perfect. And if I take a quick glance into my heart, it's so far from perfect, I'm not even confused. On my best day, I'm not even confused. But if you look through the eyes of Christ, you've been made perfect. His sacrifice, there's nothing you could add to his sacrifice to make you more perfect in his eyes. Forever, those who are being made holy. Now, as, as we said, that is, that is hard to swallow. So, and you know, when somebody has a hard time believing something, you try and bring another witness in to convince them, right? So the, the Hebrew writer brings in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this because nobody's really, it's, it's hard to believe. 
First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Now I just want to point out here, remember no more is very different from forget. God doesn't forget, he remembers no more. I forget everything all the time. But then I remember. It's like I forget and then, oh, now I remember. He decides to no longer remember any of our transgressions. And there and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. We have world-changing forgiveness in our lives. The way we've been forgiven, there's no precedent on the planet. The amount of the level of enemy that I was for Christ, his forgiveness completely covered it. Even when I've accepted Christ, I still sin and he still forgives me. It's an unprecedented level of forgiveness. And that's our challenge to change the world. We have to have this type of forgiveness with each other. We have a world-changing forgiveness with each other. There's nothing we are not capable of forgiving for each other. Nobody here would feel not accepted because of who they are. This city needs forgiveness. They need to know they can be forgiven. Amen, church. I wanted to, you, you may know about this. This is a Japanese art of kintsugi. And what happened is a very expensive vase fell and broke into pieces. And when a very expensive vase falls and breaks into pieces, that's very discouraging. But what they do in Japan, what they did in Japan is they took pure gold and they put the pieces back together and they knitted it with the gold to remake the vase. And you see it here in this picture. That's pure gold in between the cracks. And, and because of this now new art form and culture, this is actually worth more than the vase was in its original form because it's pure gold that brought it back together. And I think about my Christian life. That, that's who, who we are. We, we, we think we're some perfect, uncracked piece of work, but then we realize we're actually broken. I was completely broken. I was in pieces. Then God takes me and he puts me back together. And he knits me not even with pure gold, but the blood of his son. Making me now worth so much more than I ever was before. Broken is worth more than altogether. We live in a world today where everyone posts on Instagram and Facebook, look at me, and we want to show that we have no cracks, right? No cracks in me. Look at me. Perfect. I'm here. I'm eating lunch. Look at my lunch. It's amazing. Look at me. I'm amazing. Look at everything about me. Oh, now I'm in. I'm there. It's, it's, it's look at me. I, I'm, I'm perfect. That, that's what the whole world wants to communicate. But Christians, we have a different perspective. I actually want to share about my cracks. I want to share about how I had drunkenness and, and, and immorality and impurity and laziness and arrogance because these cracks, I'm not ashamed of them because God filled them with gold. And now we can show the world that it's okay to be cracked. It's okay to have these breaks because God will fill them no matter what they are and he'll always put us back together. Amen, church? 
So we have world-changing forgiveness. Number two, we have world-changing confidence. Let's read here together. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I love he added the sisters, amen? Sometimes in the Bible it just says brothers. What's up with that? Okay. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen? I love this idea here. We can have confidence. We can even have confidence to enter the holy of holies. Talk about the scariest place on earth to be 2,000 years ago. It would be walking into the holy of holies. One priest once a year after washing his clothes and washing his body and washing everything with blood walks in with a bull sprinkling blood saying, this is the blood of the one who's been killed because I'm the one that deserves to be killed. I mean, they're, 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 it's frightening. They would tie a rope to the priest just in case he has, does something wrong there and dies. God would kill him and then they'd have to pull him out because no one else is going back in. This is intense. This is the one place, you know, let's vote on somebody to go into the Holy Holies. Tom's elected. Oh, awesome. Amen. Praise God it's Tom and not, you know, it's, it's scary. But he's saying here, you can have full confidence because the Holy Spirit is now in you. You carry the Holy of Holies. If you lived 3,000 years ago, there'd have to be a curtain between you and the people. No one could walk up to you. We can have confidence. Amen, church? I understand what you see in the mirror is, is not much different before and after you're baptized. And I realize our sinful nature never completely leaves us alone. So we lack confidence that God has really, really changed us. But we need to have confidence. Amen, church? This is the Golden Gate Bridge. I know you know this. I show this slide in, in the Ukraine, and they're like, whoa, that's interesting. But I know you know this. This, this bridge is 227 meters tall. And when they were building this bridge, construction was on time and going very fast. But once it got up much higher, it slowed down. And then it really slowed down. And then it really slowed down. And the people who are managing this project are thinking, what do we do? We got to get the construction back up to speed. So they came up with an idea. They built a net that could catch people if they fall during construction. Great idea. So they built the net. What do you think happened once the net was built? Do you think it, it got faster, the construction? It did not, because who knows if it works or not. <laughs> so what happened? It didn't speed up at all until one day somebody fell. And all the construction workers... And the net caught him, and he lived. And at that moment, literally, the construction that day doubled in speed. And they finished the project on time. See, we know we have grace. We know it's okay. But at the same time, sometimes our reactions don't tell us that we have that grace. Sometimes Satan in our head tells us we don't have. So we have to fight for our confidence. God can use you to do something absolutely astonishing. Amen, church. World-changing faith. Let's keep going here. 23 through 25. 
let us hold unswervingly. Now hold here is like white knuckle grip. Don't let hold. Grab a hold all your strength. Hold unswervingly. That means not to the left and the right. To the hope, to our faith that we profess, the things we believe. We have to hold to what we believe. And we all know what we believe. We should walk with God. We should pray. We should read our Bibles. We should talk to our neighbor. We, we know what we know. But we have to hold. We have to hold strongly to this. For he who promised is faithful. Amen, church. You know, the fig tree is amazing. It, it grows about 24 feet tall, but its roots go down about 300 feet deep. A football field deep, a fig tree. 24 feet tall, about 300 feet deep. Now, the redwoods back in, in California, they're also amazing. They actually grow 300 feet tall. They live 1,800 years. Guess how deep their roots are to hold up a tree that's 300 feet tall? Their roots on average are about five or six feet deep. How in the world can it be five or six feet deep and hold up a tree that tall? Because their roots don't go down, they go horizontal and they grab onto the roots of the redwoods next to them. And no matter what storms come, these trees stand because they hold on to each other. Amen? So we're the fig tree in our relationship with God. We go as deep as we possibly can. But then the church is our redwood. It's our redwood. For, we hold on to each other. And we can rise way beyond any other tree in the world because we're holding on to each other. Amen? Unswervingly, we hold. We're faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Spur. That means to provoke to action. That, that's why we're here. We're actually here not to listen to something. You're here to be provoked. I'm here to provoke you this morning. Provoke you to action so that you, when you walk out of here, you've decided to do something different. And hopefully what we decide to do different is love and good deeds, amen? We've decided to be provoked to love a little more. We've decided to be provoked to do some good deeds. Make a decision this morning to go out and love somebody or do a good deed to somebody. Let, let, let Christ come through in our lives, amen, church? Don't give up meeting together because it's when we meet together, that's when we get provoked. If you don't want to be provoked, you didn't come this morning. If you want to be provoked, you're here. And then you're here Wednesday and you're here Friday and you're here every day. Every time the Christians come together, you want to be, you want to be provoked because you want to grow spiritually. Amen, church. Um, I want to share a story here. Um, in, Mal in Moldova, it's a country next to the Ukraine, um, there was this village area that had this incredible harvest. It's like hundreds of, a few hundred years ago. Incredible harvest, incredible amounts of grain. And what they would do is they would load it up on carts and they would take it to all the surrounding villages. Um, and they would feed all the other villages. Now, what happened, one year they had a big drought and nothing really grew. And then they only had enough seed, they had to make a choice. Do we, do we, eat the seed and survive, or do we save it for planting next year so that we can live the next year? So they, they had a dilemma. Literally, the village was going to starve if they didn't eat the seed. But if they eat the seed, then there's nothing to plant for the next year. So they came up with this ingenious idea. What they decided to do is to eat the seed, but then plow the roads the next year. Because the amount of seed that fell off onto the road, that then got squashed down, 
The roads were filled with kernels and seeds of grain from the many years before. And they figured if they just plow the roads and add some water and some sun, then the roads could produce a harvest. And that's what they did. Imagine all the seeds that have been planted in Atlanta over the last 30 years. They're in there. They're in there. They've been pushed down and the ground is hard. But if someone would start chipping away with some love and good deeds, just a little consistent chipping away, some consistent prayers, add a little water, something could start to grow. And I wanted to share about this. This is uh, Alisa. She's in our school of missions. She, her parents uh, got married in the church. She was born in the church. And unfortunately, when Alisa was six, her parents drifted away and became atheists, didn't, didn't believe in God anymore. So Elisa, of course, as a six-year-old, didn't come to church anymore and kind of grew up without any faith. But one of the families that was their best friends and Elisa grew up with her first six years, uh, he, at the age of 14, became a Christian and said, you know what, I want to reach out to Elisa. So he found her on Instagram and invited her to church in an event. And Elisa came. And then she came again and came again and came again. She started studying the Bible and she became a Christian. Then she brought her older sister and her older sister became a Christian. Then she reached out to mom who had fallen away. And mom restored her faith back into Christ. Then she reached out to dad. And now dad's coming to church, hasn't been restored yet, but he's getting closer and closer and closer. Could you imagine being invited as a single in the church, getting married, then losing your faith, having birth to a daughter, and the daughter's the one that actually brings you back to Christ? The soil was hard. The seeds were crushed. But praise God for that teen who said, let me reach out to my friend who I knew eight years ago and haven't seen for eight years. That little love and good deeds has now produced a harvest on what was a road before. Amen, church. Amen. We're going to skip this one. Although conviction is important. Amen, church. Uh, you can read Hebrews 10, 26 through 30 at home. It's basically... Um, telling us to be very serious about our sin, amen? Um, then that's Gatorade. That, that's less important than the scripture we looked at before. But Gatorade looks delicious. It's, it's thirst quenching. It's, it's wonderful. I don't want to advertise Gatorade right now. But, but Windex looks a lot like Gatorade. I'm just saying. And if you put them both in a glass next to each other, they, they look very appealing, you drink one and you're refreshed. You drink the other one and you will die. It is not a game. There's warning labels all over the bottle. Do not drink Windex. I know sin is appealing and I know when we're discouraged, sin we think can somehow come for us. And somehow after 27 years, I used to be very scared to sin when I was first baptized. And now after 27 years of basically still sinning at times, it's just not as big a deal as it used to be for me. Sean, wake up. Sin will kill you. It's not, it might kill you. It can kill you. We have to take our sin seriously and continue to be in our groups and be open and, and strive for change. Now, don't forget the verses we read before. All sacrifice has been paid. We're totally blessed. We're taken care of. Nothing more is needed to forgive our sins. But we do need to take our sin seriously. Amen, church? It hurts us. It hurts the people around us. That's why we take it seriously. Amen? 
And our last point, let's come in for a landing, world-changing passion. Remember those earlier days. Amen? It's great people are down in Gainesville remembering those earlier days. After you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Amen, church? All of us can remember when you were studying the Bible and you made decisions to sacrifice. And you had persecution, your friends, your neighbors, your parents. Somebody wasn't happy you were doing this. I'm sure of it. In the special missions and the sacrifice and you give and you give and people look at you and think you're out of your mind. I remember when the war just broke out in the Ukraine. I was checking in in the counter at Delta in Boston. They said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Kiev. And they looked at me. Okay, you sure? Like, people think we're out of our mind. I left a job on Wall Street to go to the Soviet Union. I was an atheist three months before that. I've lost my mind. We were chased down by the KGB, kicked out of the country, chased down by the mafia. Terrorist attacks literally in our neighborhood. The U.S. Embassy calls me at least three or four times in the last three or four years. You need to leave the country. It's not safe for you to stay. We have lost our mind. And you say amen. (laughs) And you smile. (laughs) But look at what Jesus did. God coming down to earth to be crucified. Talk about the ultimate lost his mind. To save who? Us who aren't even looking for him? Talk about a crazy love, a passionate love story. That's us. Amen, church. Let's close here. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. Amen, church. There's not much longer we're going to have to wait. Just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Amen, church. Awesome verse. We persevere. Let's persevere in North River. Get provoked. Hold on to each other. Be attentive to each other. Help each other. Love, good deeds, surround each other in untouchable forgiveness. No matter how much you mess up, there's forgiveness. Let's re-engage. Don't see yourself in the mirror. See yourself through the scriptures. God will do amazing things through us. When it says here, those who shrink back, what that literally means in the Greek, it means to lower your sails. 
Shrinking back literally means to lower your sails. Now, if you're in a sailboat and you get in a storm, you lower the sails, otherwise the boat could get knocked over. And we've all gone, gone through some storms in our Christian life, right? But after the storm is over, you bring the sails back up. If you don't bring the sails back up, you just drift. And it feels like you're still going somewhere, but you're just drifting. We didn't sign up for Christianity to drift. We signed up for Christianity to change the world. God's calling us to be world changers. Get the sails back up. Let's do something awesome for our Lord because he did something awesome for us. Amen, church. I love you. It's so great to be with you. Uh, please continue to pray for us and can't wait to be back for my next rotation of preaching in Atlanta. So I love you. Thank you.